Climate change is one of the most important investment themes at the moment, and many asset managers have committed to invest in new technology and so-called green or carbon neutral companies. Asset Manager 91 recently published a comprehensive research report regarding the rise of transition finance and this approach focuses on the real world impact of investments and includes investing in industries such as steel, cement and chemicals which are traditionally the largest emitters of greenhouse gases. Nasmira Mula is on the line. She is the Chief Sustainability Officer at 91. Nasmira, thank you so much for your time. It seems as if transition finance as you have termed it, is totally contrarian to traditional investment strategies where many asset managers only invest in green companies. Why would investing in these largest carbon emitters fight climate change? Well, Rick, I think the answer is that in order to fight climate change, we need to do two things. One, we need to develop the new technologies that will solve further emissions in the future. But the other is that we need to reduce the emissions we are currently making. And in order to do that, we need to address our energy systems. The single biggest source of emissions globally is the electricity sector, where there is a large amount of coal-fired electricity, South Africa being one of the worst in that regard. But there's also a lot of gas used in electricity production. So we need to address the electricity sector. We need to address heavy industry. And then we need to address transportation. And together, dealing with those issues, transitioning those sectors is how we fight climate change. Many asset managers do not agree with you. Your own research shows that only 16% of asset managers are already invested in emerging market transition finance. Can you put that number, that 16%, into perspective? I think firstly, the survey was done on asset owners, not asset managers. So it's actually the people, the pension funds or the financial advisors um, who actually own the assets. But I think what we've seen happen is that as the net zero movement gained traction a few years ago, the initial thinking was that if we aligned portfolio carbon reduction targets to what the globe needed to do, so we know that if we want the best probability of keeping global warming below one and a half degrees by 2050, we need to reduce carbon emissions by 50% by 2030. And the thinking um, a few years ago was, well, what we should be doing is aligning our portfolio emissions trajectory to that global requirement of 50%. So most asset owners, most asset managers who were forward thinking in the space set their emissions reduction targets in line with that. What we've discovered over the last couple of years is that portfolios are quite different to the real world. And it's very possible to clean a portfolio of emissions by selling all your heavy emitters and buying U.S. tech and healthcare without having any real world impact at all. And that's why the conclusion we've reached is that in the short term to 2030, decarbonization targets can actually have un- unintended consequences. That is a very interesting perspective. Do these asset owners appreciate that, that, you know, investments in only green assets could have a unintended consequences, as you put it? I think the realization is slowly becoming more widespread. And, and I think the, the answer was there at the beginning. So if you look at the framework 
for the Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance, it was based on four quadrants, one of which was portfolio emissions reduction, the other was engagement with your heaviest emitters, sector decarbonization strategies, and then investing in climate solutions. So it was meant to be a four-legged strategy. I think, unfortunately, what happens with humans is we tend to focus on that which is measured, and the easiest measurement has been what is your emissions reduction in portfolios? And that has driven a lot of the behavior, a lot of the divestment from portfolios of heavy emitters, a lot of the exclusion of certain sectors that we've seen. We've seen several banks, especially in South Africa, who have publicly announced that they will not fund any coal or carbon-related projects. And they see that as trying to force these companies to try and find alternative energy sources. But this is, as I've said earlier, contrarian. This is actually quite the opposite. Is there room for both approaches within this model? I think we need to differentiate between putting new capital to work funding new projects and retaining ownership and involvement in existing high-emitting projects and companies. So what we're talking about is... How do you transition existing companies? How do you take a company like Sasol, which has made a commitment to reduce emissions by 30% by 2030, and work with them to ensure that happens? And I think the banks are pretty much aligned to that. I was at the Standard Bank Climate Conference last week, very much aligned to what they're talking about, working with their portfolio companies, working with their mining companies or the likes of Sasol to facilitate their transition. Or if you talk to any of the other banks, very much aligned versus the idea of they do not want to put more capital to work on new greenfield projects. Mm. And I think we would have a fair bit of sympathy for that view. That is an interesting point. But many asset managers or asset owners would also look to maximize investment returns. Would these type of investments in companies that are being forced to invest billions and billions of rands and dollars in new technology not reduce investment returns and hence be uh, detrimental to the actual asset owners? I think what we've seen is that markets have already priced in transition risk for a lot of your heaviest emitting companies. And therefore, the companies that are not taking action to deal with climate change are actually seeing that reflected in their share prices or their borrowing costs. So what we are seeing in your highest emitting sectors, your electricity sector in Europe, for example, is those companies that are actively transitioning are the ones that are seeing the benefits in their PE multiples at this point. The report, as I've said, is pretty comprehensive. What are the main takeaways for you regarding the attitude of these asset owners? Well, I think the main point for me was the fact that climate change is seen as a critical issue by the majority of asset owners. Um, However, the investments they're making in transition is still quite low. And the reasons that are cited for that low investment is um, a lack of data, a lack of some standardized way to assess whether a company has a good transition plan or not. 
The other issue, um, when asked about why they weren't investing in the emerging market transition, is a concern around the riskiness of that. And I think there, there are two potential solutions. One is for global asset owners that haven't very much invested in emerging markets. We need to get them more familiar with emerging markets. And so some measure of risk mitigation capital, blended finance could be very useful because once they get familiar, it helps them the next time around. The other is just better data availability in this area. So we know the multilateral development banks, the development finance institutions have a long history of loan performance data from emerging markets. And I think that database needs to be made more broadly available to asset owners to encourage their investment into these markets, because actually the historical default rate on these sorts of assets is much lower than I think is generally appreciated. Many asset managers are also not very involved with the management of companies. We see very few collective investment schemes and pension funds and the like getting involved and being almost uh, an activist and using their significant shareholding to influence decisions. Does this transitional finance type of model or approach change that? Will it mean that these asset owners will become much more vocal within uh, at shareholder meetings and within the boardroom? I think if you're going to focus on facilitating transition as an asset manager, you have to be more engaged with your companies. I don't know if that necessarily translates into activism as the starting point. I think the first point is just opening the dialogue and having those robust conversations with management. It may in certain situations lead to a need for activism, but I think our departure point would be engagement and fairly robust engagement around the climate issues with management and with their boards. From a 91 perspective, how invested are you in transitional finance? And do you have any set targets of how much money uh, or percentage of your portfolios you want to allocate to it? We haven't set targets internally. What we are doing is looking to invest behind the steam within existing strategies and also in specialist strategies. I think that as we've set our net zero targets we haven't set decarbonization targets for all the reasons I discussed earlier on. What we have set is what we call portfolio coverage targets, therefore the proportion of our corporate equity and debt assets that we aim to have with Paris Alliance science-based transition plans by 2030. And we're working with our highest emitters to maximize that proportion. The research was done amongst uh, 300 asset owners around the world was there a significant difference in the responses from the different geographical areas? Yes, we saw quite a divergence in the importance that was being placed on climate between different regions. Europe, climate unquestionably the key factor in emerging markets, um, particularly South Africa. Social and governance factors would rank higher than climate. In the US as well, much more of a mixed response. In many countries around the world, governments are introducing very strict laws and regulations to force companies to cut the emission of greenhouse gases. And if they don't comply, they may face massive fines. Now, in this context, what role and responsibility do you think asset managers and asset owners have to also fight climate change? I think before we get into whether we should be fighting climate change for some general good, 
I think as part of our fiduciary responsibilities to protect the value of our clients' assets, we need to understand the climate risks in our investments and assess and price them and then go one step further and look to mitigate these risks as much as possible. So if we have a significant holding in a portfolio with inherent climate risks and inherent risk of the asset becoming stranded, it is our responsibility to ensure that we do as much as possible to ensure that management mitigates those risks. And I think that is the biggest driver for us of the engagement that we're having with companies is we see a very high probability of externalities that will be priced in over time given changing government regulations, whether that's in our own country in terms of carbon taxes or whether that is in other countries like the European border adjustment mechanism where with the tax to be put on any high carbon imports in due course. And what we need to help do, therefore, is um, mitigate those risks in our portfolios. And that is why we think it's important to engage. Nasmira, thank you so much for your time today. That was Nasmira Muller. She's the Chief Sustainability Officer at 91.